You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA, Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, another three podcasts this week. We were down an episode last week, so I may make it up this week um, and kind of keep everything going here with us. Um, But with the long holiday and then I actually just got started working on under the house, running some plumbing and doing some pipe work and just kind of got into the swing of things and didn't want to stop. So I wasn't able to do the show on Friday and then just kind of took the weekend off of everything. But we're back into it now. And we've got a lot to cover because there was some news regarding the Pelicans over the weekend. David Griffin also had some media availability through a conference call. So we want to touch on all of that stuff. Like Del Demps' name came up in the conversation on Twitter, which was kind of surprising too. Plus, we're going to keep looking back at the top teams all time in franchise history. And we're going to look at the 2017-2018 team here today, which I rank third on my list. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So a bunch of Pelicans news going on today, starting with the Chicago Bulls hiring away J.J. Polk from the Pelicans to serve as their assistant general manager. J.J. Polk's been with New Orleans for a number of years now, really working on the salary cap side. A former lawyer decided to get into the NBA and has been kind of crunching the numbers there. And this comes, you know, almost a day after David Griffin had just praised him, uh, saying that their cap guys for the Pelicans on his conference call had been really running the numbers and looking at a number of different scenarios so that the Pelicans are well positioned when it comes to free agency and understand all aspects of what may occur during that depending on different salary cap numbers and running different scenarios and most teams do this and the Pelicans are no exception but they have really liked their guys kind of in these roles for a long time now so losing one of them in JJ Polk is never a good thing but it's also not bad you like when guys get promoted from your organization one because it has an opening and you can hire someone new but you can usually get good up and coming guys or good solid guys and kind of pitch them on the idea that yeah come here and work and you can move on to something greater in the future so this is a good look for David Griffin and company the Bulls are kind of going through a front office revolution Arturis Karnasovas was hired away from the Denver Nuggets to be their president of basketball operations and now they're going to look to have a GM similar to the situation here with with David Griffin and Trajan Langdon. A name that has come up somehow for the Bulls GM job is general man- former general manager of the Pelicans, Dell Demps. No idea why his name would come up for the Bulls job, given kind of how his tenure went and ended here in New Orleans. But sure, why not? Just when you think the Chicago Bulls are kind of turning a corner and maybe starting to make some correct decisions around their front office... That, you know, name doesn't exactly inspire a lot of confidence um, on everything. So we'll we'll see where that goes. But cool to see someone from the Pelicans front office getting promoted shows they have a lot of the right guys here. And there wasn't a full on, 
you know, front office revolution, cleaning house of sorts that maybe we thought was going to happen once David Griffin came in. It seems like there were a lot of really good guys here and they wanted to keep those really good guys. So losing one of them, but it gives you the opportunity to replace that person with someone else. And I have no doubt that it, that is uh, they will get someone very good to still work on the salary cap side and keep this team prepared for whatever may come in the future. In that media availability, David Griffin spoke a lot about some of the roles that people are playing here, in particular Aaron Nelson. And this is where having Aaron Nelson, who's at the kind of forefront of player care and all of that, really is an advantage for New Orleans. And he said this in the offseason, too, when they hired him. There's few areas you think you can get a competitive advantage in. And getting a guy like Aaron Nelson in that sort of side of everything is definitely one of them. And Aaron Nelson is coming up with multiple ways and is involved in some of the talks, too, with the league about how you kind of restart the season. Teams that haven't maybe heavily invested in that side might not be able to get their players kind of back into game shape playing speed what have you all of those phrases but that shouldn't be an issue with the pelicans which i think will be a very good thing so if we do get some regular season games remaining if we get all of them in particular maybe the pelicans have a leg up on the competition so i think that is definitely uh, a very good thing for the pelicans to have kind of in their back pocket when it comes to all of this other things of note around the team is supposedly there is a rift between rudy gobert and donovan mitchell after one of them gave the coronavirus to the other it sounds like it started with rudy gobert but we don't really know um and these two maybe aren't able to kind of reconcile everything it might be kind of on the outs and what does that leave the uh utah jazz to do do you need to move one of them maybe gobert likely more so than Mitchell um, and would that been be an option for the Pelicans I got asked this on Twitter uh, over the weekend I don't think so I don't think you need Gobert here particularly with Derek Favors he makes far more money than you're comfortable paying that guy and he can kind of be game planned out of the playoffs I'm a big Gobert fan I'm not really a big Gobert fan in the playoffs and for that amount of money I don't feel very comfortable with having a guy like that on the team. So that's some of the kind of news going on around the league with everything. Um, and kind of interesting to see Del Dempsey's name come up again. So we'll take a look back at the 2017 2018 team coming up here in just a moment. So before we get to that, today's show brought to you by Postmates. You can't really leave the house right now, so you need to kind of support, if you want to support local businesses, delivery is really the best option right now. And Postmates is making that really great for you. Whether it's an early morning breakfast burrito, you want a 12-pack of beers while you're stuck inside the house as well. Sometimes you just want what you need and you want it delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. I've been using this constantly to support a lot of the local restaurants in my neighborhood here in the Bywater to get things delivered, kick them some business, and also not have to cook because sometimes I just don't want to do that. And I start thinking about what I want to have for dinner during lunch. So this is why I love using Postmates because I can kind of click on there and I know exactly what I want and they're going to have it. Every restaurant you can think of is pretty much on there and I can get it delivered right to my door. But Postmates doesn't deliver just burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery store delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it, they're able to do it. It makes things really great right now. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android 
Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. So let's go back in time. We're still covering the top teams in franchise history. I went with the 0203 season team, the first one here in franchise history. We talked about AD's first time in the playoffs. And now we're going to look at his second time in the playoffs. And this might be controversial, if that is such a thing with these lists, to put this at three, say, instead of two. I don't think there's any real question on what the best team in franchise history is. But I have a different one at second than maybe most people would be thinking, which would have been this team. And you'll find that out on the next show, what I have there. This is the team that swept the Trailblazers in the first round, lost to the Golden State Warriors in five games in the second round. And it's kind of weird because this is the injury to DeMarcus Cousins year, the team going super fast after that, getting into the playoffs and playing well. Um, And they finished six in the Western Conference, getting that very favorable matchup in the playoffs against the Portland Trailblazers where Drew Holiday absolutely shut down Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Anthony Davis was a beast in that one uh, as well. And they were all really good. But going up to that, getting into that, getting to the playoffs, this team wasn't bad. They were never world beaters, let's say. But this is a team that at one point had a 10-game winning streak after the DeMarcus Cousins injury soon after that. They closed the season by winning five straight and kind of doing it in fairly dominant fashion to improve their seeding getting into the playoffs. And this team over the year never lost more than three games in a row. All of that is pretty good. They did have a rough stretch soon after the DeMarcus Cousins injury, of course, where they did not play well. They lost uh, five out of six games, which at one point kind of put the season in jeopardy and getting into the playoffs kind of in doubt. But then they ripped off a 10-game winning streak after that and then closed the season incredibly, incredibly strong. This was fun, and you kind of had two seasons in there. Anthony Davis led the team with 28 points per game, 11 rebounds. He was just flat-out dominant this year, 2.6 blocks. I thought he should have been over Rudy Gobert. Defensive player of the year didn't end up happening. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins in only 48 games, 25 points per game, 13 rebounds. He had that very, very memorable game in double overtime against the Chicago Bulls where he absolutely dominated 40 points, 20 rebounds, I think, something like that, um, and was awesome. Drew Holiday, in one of his healthier years that he had, played 81 games, 19 points per game, 6 assists, Four and a half rebounds. What's great is they brought in Rajon Rondo to play the main point guard for Drew Holiday, letting him play off the ball. He averaged eight points per game, eight assists, but turned it up in the playoffs, particularly against the um, Portland Trailblazers, where he was pretty good in that. You had the corner boys in Dante Cunningham, who averaged five points per game, shot the three okay, 30. Uh, 2%. Solomon Hill did not shoot the three well, um, but was on the team too. Ian Clark was kind of a bit of a spark plug off the bench 
for this team. Each one more played really well, 12 and a half points per game. And then you had the trade deadline deal for Nikola Mirotic, which didn't really cost a ton, brought him in after the DeMarcus Cousins injury, something they wanted to do anyway and would have done had DeMarcus Cousins been healthy. And Mirotic averaged 14 and a half points per game and eight rebounds for the team. After kind of adjusting, you kind of had that whole fun shaving beard thing where he ended up getting a sponsorship from Gillette. And he played particularly well for this team. You had a Mecca Okafor get some minutes for the team as well, which was kind of fun to see. And overall, it was just kind of like a likable roster with things. Jameer Nelson was key in there, but got sent out at one point um, after they signed him to start the year, which was something that was really, really needed for the team. Overall, you kind of had just people stepping up, playing like you needed them to do, including Darius Miller, um, who averaged eight points per game off the bench this season. Uh, And then, of course, they did their usual cycling through guys on 10-day contracts. Their offense, though, really stepped up after the DeMarcus Cousins injury. They started playing with a lightning fast pace. And it dragged their offense from not being very good to finishing 10th in the league that season. Defensively, that faster pace seemed to work. And getting DeMarcus Cousins out of there down low, who was not good defensively that year, replacing it with a more, him with a more competent defender in Mirantich, really seemed to work. They finished 14th defensively. This was a team that is just overall solid. And after the DeMarcus Cousins injury, which in that very memorable win over Houston, came on him making a hustle play to try and grab an offense board um, to secure the game for New Orleans and really kind of keep him in the driver's seat of everything was interesting to watch and a very memorable game and it was just kind of heartbreaking to see him fall and I remember at that moment everyone thinking the team was over I had someone who covers the team text me this is now that is the moment where we lost Anthony Davis turned out that wasn't the case and things really turned around that season but that's where everyone was in the moment when that happened and boy did it turn around and we'll look at that a little bit more coming up here in just a second So don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. Now more than ever, it is important to support the podcast you listen to, particularly because, look, numbers have dropped off, advertising's dropped off, um, and it makes things a little bit tougher. So just hitting that subscribe button is a big deal. Leaving a five-star review with a comment is also a big deal. During this time, we've got a lot more coming over the couple coming weeks and months to keep you all entertained and hopefully bring a sense of normalcy to you all during this time. And I'm having fun kind of looking back at these teams and recapping their seasons a little bit as well. So subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. So the playoffs against the Portland Trailblazers in the first round. A very good draw for the Pelicans as the sixth seed to get that matchup. And boy, did the Pelicans play well in this one. Anthony, So it was a four-game sweep, and we, we all know that. It wasn't um, particularly close, really, in any game other than maybe game one, where you saw New Orleans eke out a win on the road, 97-95 over the Trailblazers. Anthony Davis with 35 points in that one to steal home court advantage. Game two, the Pelicans won 111-102. Game three at home, the Pelicans slaughtered the Blazers 119-102. And then going into game four in the Smoothie King Center, 
everyone knew that this one was going to be a sweep and felt really, really good about what the Pelicans were going to be able to do and were excited for this one. The Pelicans won 131-123. Other than the first game, it wasn't close. And New Orleans had a way to really go about disrupting Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and we'll get to that. But individually, these guys were awesome. Anthony Davis averaged 33-12 and in this series along with three blocks per game. Drew Holiday had that dominant scoring mentality that we've wanted to see from him a little bit more consistently. 28 points per game, four rebounds, and six and a half assists, along with basically all world defense. Nikola Mirotic was great in this one, averaging 18 points per game and 10 boards. You had Rondo, who averaged 11 and 8 all of these guys really stepped up. Etwan Moore gave you seven and a half points per game along with four boards, things like that. But you saw it. When you get defense like you do from Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, the rest of the team, and those two guys carrying you offensively, it's not too hard to go out and win games. Damian Lillard averaged 18 and a half points per game in the series. That's not great for him. CJ McCollum was a little bit better, 25 points per game. But that was really kind of about... It. No one else could really step up, and they were doing this on pretty poor shooting overall. Damian Lillard had an E field goal percentage, so factoring in threes, of 41.5%. That is miserable. CJ McCollum was a little bit better, but that's about it. But no one else really stepped up for that team, and you saw them kind of take Damian Lillard out of the game. And it started with Drew Holiday in a big, picking him up high on the pick and roll in basically the second he crossed half court. Trap him, get the ball out of his hands, and try and force them into making a mistake or letting someone else beat you. Yes, C.J. McCollum was capable of going out and getting a bunch of points in this, but when no one else is doing it and Damian Lillard is having some very inefficient games and he was having some remarkably inefficient games. In game one, he shot 26%, 6 of 23. It's not going to get it done whatsoever. In game two, he was not much better, 7 of 18 in that one. That's also not going to get it done. In game three, he was shooting 36%, 5 of 14 throughout this series. And then in game four, the one that they lost to lose in a sweep, he played a little bit better, 44% from the field in that one. It's really it. When you're going to do that to him, you're going to win a whole lot of games. And yeah, there you go. That's why they won this one. Really dominant performances from the guys who should give you dominant performances. And it showed that the Pelicans were very, very good. At least against that team. Then they ran into the buzzsaw that is the Golden State Warriors and the very good Golden State Warriors at that. Not much you were going to be able to do against that team, that roster. Um, but getting a win in the first round of the playoffs kind of gave us a lot of hope that things would go well for New Orleans. Season after that, certainly, certainly not the case, as we all know how it ended with Anthony Davis and the trade request. But we had a lot of hope for this one. I don't rank them higher because just... You know, unfortunately, the season they were in, they had no chance of winning the title. They had no chance of getting out of the second round of the playoffs. And we kind of all know the disaster that went on that offseason, losing to Marcus Cousins, then the season after that with Anthony Davis wanting out. And there's just, you kind of have like a bit of a flash in the pan moment with this one that just doesn't leave you feeling that satisfied. And the next season that I'm going to talk about in the next show kind of has this too, but I feel differently about this one. And we'll go back and look at that coming up 
in the next episode of Locked On Pelicans. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all next time.